The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all around wherever you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out live. We see y'all. All y'all come, but not all of you smash the like. So please do us a favor right there. Smash that like. We appreciate it. Uh, let's get those subscriber numbers up as well uh, today. As you see, if you were looking at the podcast headline, if you were looking at the headline on YouTube, we are bringing back Camp Buzz. Fall camp officially winding down for a lot of teams over the next couple of days, and then we will turn the page into game week. Those 14 teams that will be on display for us this Saturday, week zero. It's a game week for them as well. Uh, so a lot of nuggets to get to. And, uh, and Bud, I'm, I'm not trying to catch you off guard here, but I do think this is a, a fun icebreaker for us. If you jump in the chat early, and if you give us a really good question, Sometimes we'll throw it at the beginning of the season. And Oscar jumped in and said, which top 10 team do you think will have the most, quote, disappointing season? RIP Barton. Now, for those listening at home without a computer in front of you, a top 10 team would be Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, USC, Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, and Washington. Who of those top 10 teams do you think would have the most, quote, disappointing season? Whew. So, okay. Um if I look at this, I mean, Michigan, Ohio State could both make the playoff again. Ohio, Alabama, Georgia both could make it. And obviously, that has happened before. I, I'm going to say USC. I think the Pac 12 is pretty good. And I just think it's hard to get out of there with only one loss. Now, maybe I'm wrong. And I do think USC deserves to be a top 10 team. I, I just don't see any egregious rankings in there. Like, there's not a whole lot of, of narrative street. But my other pick would be Washington. And I know we're going to talk Washington in a later segment in this show. So uh, Oscar, appreciate the early question there and stay tuned. Cause we will talk a little more about Washington coming up. Uh, Florida state. Okay. A quote disappointing has something to do with emotions and expectations. Right. And we, this built into Florida state as a top 10 team built into Florida state as a co-favorite to win the ACC is the expectation for another jump performance that is better than what they had a year ago. Um, I, I don't think it will be disappointing. I've kind of got them as a 10 and two kind of team this year, but if it's nine and three, that's going to feel really disappointing given the expectations, given the experience back and what we know about Florida state. So um, that's very much in range. Yep. Like that's not a crazy thought. 
We'll see. They uh, they got to got to beat those ranked teams. Zero and three against uh, teams that were ranked at the time a year ago. So that's definitely a big part of the equation. Oscar, thank you so much for getting in that question. Let's tackle some news and headlines from over the weekend. It was discussed a lot. We've almost been um, treating it like a formality. But Kirby Smart in Georgia, they have named Carson Beck the starter uh, for the beginning of the season, which is going to start November eleventh. Um, no, I'm just. Carson Beck uh, as Georgia's quarterback. No no big surprises here. What from the Georgia offense in general do you think we should take away from uh, the Bulldogs moving ahead with Beck as the starter? I, I think they're going to potentially be more explosive in the pass game. Um, and, and I'm not a Mike Bobo hater, but you can think Mike Bobo is a good OC and still have some questions as to whether he's a downgrade from Munkin. And, and I was extremely impressed at how much scheme uh, Georgia was able to pack in to their offense. And, and there is a real talent in keeping things simple in your kids' minds while making them look really complex in the minds of your opposing or your, your opponent, but both in terms of player and coach. And, and we'll see if, if Mike Bobo has that ability to do that with Georgia. I mean, Carson Beck was a blue chip quarterback, stayed there. As far as I know, Georgia did not heavily pursue a quarterback in the portal. I do read into that some when I'm making my ratings, right? Like if you, you know, if, if you go in the portal, like it probably tells me something about what you think about your players on campus, right? Georgia did as far as I know. So they looks like they probably believe in his talent. They surrounded him with some nice transfer receivers this year. So I, I think Carson Beck will have a good year. I mean, who knows? Does he get rattled? We, we can't answer those questions. We may not answer those questions in, until, you said November 11th. It, it might be like January 1st, honestly. <laughs> like the playoff? No, no, no. The SEC, whoever okay, SEC championship the game, SEC sure. championship <clears throat> game will, will be a significant test. And I do think that Tennessee will be a significant test. And there are some other teams that could cause some problems. But, yes, they are later in the year. All right, here's my – because this is this is the time where everyone's asking for just like nameplate, fill out the survey, buzzy stuff. Carson Beck is my Heisman Trophy dark horse. That if you're looking for a name that is not the obvious name, if you're looking for a player who is a little bit further down the odds board, I can envision a scenario where with the wide receiver room getting a little bit of boost from the transfer portal with maybe a little bit of a change in offensive approach given the skill set of your quarterback in Carson Beck, we know George is going to be in the middle of the national championship hunt. If you are the quarterback in the middle of that national championship hunt and you go out there and you're able to put up, uh, you know, some big performances, especially in the toughest games. Then, like Carson Beck could find himself just by virtue of winning and being productive in the downfield passing game. He could find himself in the Heisman Trophy picture. He is not my pick to win the Heisman Trophy, but again, this is that like whether it's a radio hit, whether it's the CBSSports.com yeah. preseason previews. Like you always have to have a name to put there, and I think that uh, Carson Beck, given the confidence that. Georgia has apparently had around him and the future of the offense with him. I I think the ceiling is really, really high. And obviously the floor is too, because even if they just go back to less explosive, they're still so good along the offensive line that you know, not being creative is still going to be able to go and get you the wins that you need to be in the mix for the SEC championship. And wh when are we going to know what Georgia is? I mean, UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB. The common thread in all four of those teams, I think, is poor offensive line play. So they're not going to be able to move the football, which is like you can just play field position and be able to go win those games. I mean, if, if I'm Auburn staff, I'm kind of annoyed at how cake Georgia's early schedule is because there's a very good chance if I'm Hugh Freeze trying to prep for Georgia, and that's a big game. Like Georgia comes to the Plains. Like that's a chance. You know, and and you know, Freeze has uh, certainly had some some success against the Nick Saban uh, coaching tree of defenses. I don't know if it was exactly against Kirby Smart. I think Kirby was gone by that time, right? When, when Freeze was, was was beating Alabama. His uh, first year at Georgia is 16, 15 or 16, I believe. So it's right in that window when Hugh got his back-to-back. -back. You know, and, and I'm certain like, like Georgia will have scouted the heck out of Auburn and, and Auburn will have played four games. I think two real games for Auburn too. So Georgia will probably know exactly what Auburn wants to do. Uh, Auburn may or may not have seen what Georgia really wants to do because Georgia has uh, South Carolina fans miss me with it. Like if you can block Georgia, cool. Let's let's see it. Um, I, I don't think you can do that in Athens. Georgia may just be like a total sleeper cell for four weeks. 
We we love the passion of South Carolina fans. You know, we, we best fan base in the SEC. We love the passion of the South Carolina fans. Um, but yes, I agree with you there. But speaking of Auburn, uh, more quarter starting quarterback announcements from throughout the SEC. Peyton Thorne named QB one. We remember he transferred after spring practice from Michigan State. Robbie Ashford, who um, was a quarterback last year, a transfer from Oregon. That was the primary competition, at least as I understood it. The is this a a, a compliment for Thorne? a statement on what Auburn wants to do offensively because I mean, based on what I saw, Robbie Ashford, not the same downfield passer that Peyton Thorne is. Is that fair? I want to commend us on the show for never, never buying in to the anybody, but, but Peyton Thorne is going to start for Auburn this year. Like Mm -hmm. saw some other people out there. We get plenty of them wrong. We were right on this one. We were pretty diamond hands on, on it's going to be Thorne. Hugh Freeze, there's no pressure on him to win big in year one at Auburn. Nobody thinks that he got left a great roster by the previous staff. There is pressure not to have an absolute dumpster fire, right? There is pressure to make a bowl game and probably make a bowl game comfortably. And I think for that reason, Thorne is the best choice here. Like Holden Garner may be the highest upside guy there in terms of of long-term ceiling. I, I don't... I don't I don't buy the Ashford stuff, right? Like I I, I kind of wonder if some of the praise for him post scrimmage was to keep him happy and like keep him engaged. So they can use him in packages, but just from a passing standpoint, from what I've heard, I don't think he is anywhere near consistent enough to operate the offense. Like they're going to need to operate it in SEC play. So yeah, I mean, Thorne makes a lot of sense here. I, I think it allows them to make a bowl game fairly comfortably. Yeah, you've got one of the best running backs in the SEC in Jarquez Hunter. And you have, you know, the the idea being that if you had Robbie Ashford out there, everyone would be very concerned about your run game, just not about the downfield passing attack. And so at least if you're going to be able to present that threat, it should open up something for for everyone else. Um, Peyton Thorne also probably doesn't transfer unless he believes that he's got a really good crack at this starting job. Uh, obviously, their Iron Bowl rivals have another situation like that, but we'll get to that coming up in Camp Buzz. Uh, Alabama quarterback position. It's uh, whew, it's it's getting uh, quite spicy over there. Uh, Brady Cook named captain. We, I guess that means you're a starting quarterback. I mean, you, you're not a quarterback captain and not the starting quarterback for the beginning of the season. Um, I, I, I think that is as expected. I, I wasn't Jake Carsey has been hurt, right? Am I correct about that? I think Carsey has been been dinged, or, or at least I don't know exactly what the situation is there, but I, wasn't he hurt in spring, and so it kind of was behind. I, I I don't want to put something out there that's not not accurate, um, if, if I can help it. But yeah, he definitely has had some injury stuff in the past. I did read that Sam Horn is going to get snaps too. I, I saw that on Twitter. Apologies as to whoever broke that story. I don't, I don't want to just jack your material here. Uh, but if you name Brady Cook the captain, it kind of implies he's the starter, right? Well, okay. Uh, so unless he uh, loses it. Listen, the, the best reporters in the country are in the uh, the live chat on youtube.com slash cover three. And Andrew's saying that um, Eli Drinkwitz indicated both Horn and Cook will play for the job uh, in week one. Ah, okay. Interesting. Listen, Kansas State's going to be coming up soon. You better have that thing settled by the time you go up against the Wildcats. I know they've got some returning production to replace defensively. That Kansas State program is built up. That That is going to present one of the tough early season challenges that we'll find uh, for teams in the SEC. All right, let's go to the recruiting trail before we hit the break. Five-star defensive lineman Kamarion Franklin commits to Ole Miss. Um, this is kind of a, a... If I'm an Ole Miss fan, I'm encouraged that Lane Kiffin is winning battles on the recruiting trail out of high school, that this is not going to be a situation where we're just going to keep flipping portal classes year after year after year. Um, you know, we've got five stars who might be playing for Ole Miss this year, right? Who are coming out of high school ready to go. What do you find in uh, Kamarion Franklin as a defensive lineman? Is he is he that kind of instant impact player? Like, what's uh what what sort of the the recruiting book on Franklin and how Lane Kiffin was able to get this win? High upside guy, big frame, guy that can play play with some physicality, does have the type of agility you want for a guy, you know, who maybe has the chance. The chance. I mean, he's you know, six five, two sixty-five. Like maybe he can play a little more versatile in terms of 
alignment than a guy who you know is just more of a pure inside dude. But I, I think he's legitimately a big time player. I know we are higher on him at twenty four seven Sports uh, so far than the industry is. Of course, no rankings are final yet. Everybody still gets to play their senior season. We still get the Alabama Mississippi All Star Game, which is always a great showcase, and then we still get the uh, All American Bowl season. So. Anyway, we like this kid a lot. This is a big get for Ole Miss. I will say, you know, if you're Ole Miss, you just, you know, you, you just added him. You're still 12th out of 16th in, in oh, the SEC. We, <clears throat> we look at the 2024 cycle with a 16-team SEC, and congrats, Texas and Oklahoma are in there. So you're, it's not like you're putting them sliding teams in at the bottom when it comes to yeah. the recruiting rankings. Right. Everybody who is not Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, LSU, Bama, Auburn. You're moving down. The, 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 re- the remaining eight will, will get lapped by Oklahoma and and Texas. Oof, that's it, it. Was the same thing when we were talking about uh, Missouri? You know, picking up the uh, the big recruiting win. And it's like, and they're still 16th. Yeah, in the SEC. Brutal. It's. I mean, look. I I do think Ole Miss is doing a decent job. And it is big to get Franklin to, to beat out Auburn to beat out Miami, uh, but they do have a lot more work to do, right? Yes, one hundred percent. That's a uh, that's that's something definitely to keep an eye on, especially as you know, Lane Kiffin during the media car wash of SEC media days and all the other sort of availabilities, like gave off this vibe as though he was not loving where college football was going, and you know, it's it's becoming more like an NFL locker room and he speaks to it from the perspective of being in NFL locker rooms and having to run a team and, you know, just vibes guy here. I was looking at it. I was listening to it and I was like, man, is he over this? You know, is he like, is it, does he love where college football is going? If he, if he's putting in that work and if he's going to be able to continue to make good gains in terms of recruiting out of high school, then that's, I think that's good for the longevity of Lane Kiffin at, at Ole Miss and being able to continue to build this thing up. And look, if you're if you're constantly relying on the portal, just because you have had good results so far in terms of culture with portal does not mean that every portal class you bring in is going to have the same results in terms of culture, right? Yep. Whereas high school kids are a little more malleable in terms of, of, of their personality. Now, some of them, I mean, look at A&M's class last year. They, they've already booted... Or, or uh, however many already left, and there are uh, you know a couple of them already. Yeah, they they, they weren't teams. booted. They have chosen to seek opportunities yeah, elsewhere. Than the exactly. You know. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, it's time you've been wanting to know the players that are buzzing. Camp buzz coming up next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We're getting messy on the Galasso Network on Wednesday. Look at that, man. I got Even eyes. I know who that is. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's uh it's it it was one of the oldest sounders. You know, Barton Simmons and I, we linked up back in June, July of 2017. It was then the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. It rebranded as Cover Three. Uh, it has been sort of the same uh, soul and spirit that so many of you have loved, and is certainly the same feed as well. So let's I gotta dust this one off. <laughs> Let's break it out. Players that are making a buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. 
Now, we have always had a fantastic collection of sources and resources, thanks to our friends at 24-7 Sports. Uh, Camp Buzz, we are always looking for position battles, any notable injuries, obviously players that are getting buzzed, you know, whether it's coaches or insiders that are talking up the performance in some of these practices and some of these scrimmages, and also you know, answering these questions. We go into fall camp with a lot of thoughts based on the personnel and the depth chart of, you know, what do we think about these teams? And coming up in a little bit, uh, Bud's got some jump teams. I'll explain that. But, Bud, where do you want to start for uh, for Camp Buzz? Most important position, marquee teams. Like, let's 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 get our ratings. Let's get our clicks right now. You want to go Ohio State? You want to go Alabama? Alabama. Because I've got other Alabama notes, too. But, I mean, let's the, the quarterback position, the, I, my read on this is that there is not a lot of um, good buzz for our three primary contenders. And the fact that the only name I'm catching coming out of the weekend is Dylan Lonergan, the freshman who is getting compliments from Nick Saban that Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson and Ty Buckner are not necessarily getting. The fact that that's where we're at in the process, I mean, it almost feels like we're grasping at straws for success What's what's your read on what's happening under center uh, at Alabama? It, I don't have a great read on this. It, it, it seems like like the people you talk to are largely towing the company line. They basically say nobody is far ahead. Nobody's pulling away. Nobody's playing like a superstar. Uh, from what I had heard, I talked to some people last night, Milrow made some wow plays in the scrimmage and also some WTF plays right. in the scrimmage, which kind of fits – what he's been like the last time we saw him play a full game was that AM game and I mean he had some okay numbers at times but also if you really dig into it like like, like half his passing yards were from throws that were actually behind the lines of scrimmage and yet as a runner he is absolutely ridiculous and I do believe like could play another position if he wanted to not that he has to at at an SEC school and play it at a high level so from that standpoint Chip I, I really do think he's a special athlete and I think he shows the high level passing ability at times and then also probably uh, makes Nick Saban uncomfortable with some of the decisions and turnovers. I've heard that Simpson is not quite as flashy there but also you know that doesn't make quite as many mistakes at least in that scrimmage but I know in, in prior uh, prior camps and prior prior practices he has and then Tyler Buckner apparently had a much better scrimmage two than he did scrimmage one from what I had heard. Lonergan, uh, Nick Saban basically shut it down. It, like I, I watched the YouTube video of him. He basically was like, yeah. Uh, He's like good, him but he doesn't like have him experience. Long-term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, he, he did all oh, man, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a sucker for Nick Saban because we think he doesn't say anything, but he says a lot of things that are very true, like yeah. just like actually smart. And he says like, here, what is experience? Experience is making mistakes. And he needs to make more mistakes, learn from them, get better, say, I'm never going to do that again. Paraphrasing here, of course. But um, Lonergan shows a lot of talent, but you're right. He was he was, cre- he was, creating buzz, like almost as you're just like grasping for something good. He was like, yeah, he's, he's good, but he's not going to be the guy right there, um, at least not this year, we think. I did, by the way, like if I'm a Bama fan, I'm feeling really good about these Lonergan comments because I, I, he was a good recruit. He wasn't like an amazing recruit. He didn't, you know, he wasn't like a dominant as, as a high schooler or in like the elite 11 setting for him to be flashing in in camp early on is a great sign because you know, they already have a five-star coming next year. So if Lonergan's good and your 2024 kids good, then, then you're starting to feel better about that position long-term. Maybe you're getting back, uh, not for this year, maybe for next year and in the coming years to what you had when you went, you know, Hertz to uh, Mac Bryce. We'll see. Yeah, a little bit different. I, uh, wait, I do think Bama is probably pretty damn talented elsewhere. I mean, they are the highest rated blue chip ratio team of all time. I don't use that to pick games, but I do look at them. It's kind of hard to ignore. Like, do we really think Saban's going to miss on all these all these five stars that he, that he signed in terms of development? I, I think they're probably more physical than they were last year. Bama fans are freaking out about the receivers dropping balls, though, again, in the scrimmage. That's two scrimmages in a row. It's not what you right. need if you're trying to break in a new quarterback, man. Yeah, I... Th- two things on the wide receivers. Number one, it sounds like scrimmage two had less drops than scrimmage one. It's at least gotten a little bit better. And number two, how about our boy Malik Benson? Number one, Juco in the class is showing up and starting to get some compliments, starting to create a little bit of buzz. You know, if, if you were showing me the, um, the Alabama wide receiver room, I, I basically would have only invested in Ja'Cory Brooks. 
I feel like he has put together the most good yeah. of that group. And then, you know, whether it's a Kobe Prentice, you know, whether you're looking somewhere else, I, I sure like I was really going to have to see it. I was in big wait and see mode for the rest of that room. Um, Malik Benson's a talented dude and he was highly sought after for his commitment coming out of junior college. And so the idea that he's going to be playing well, generating a lot of buzz, creating some compliments. So you've got another option besides Brooks that you feel like you can trust. um, I thought that was a good, good takeaway from, uh, from the last couple days out of Tuscaloosa. I I think that's really fair. Um, Now, Ryan Day what is Ian's comment? Uh, Alabama or an all ACC team? Oh, an all, an all ACC team would smoke Bama. Now we take are we taking like Florida State and Clemson out of it? Oh, okay. Like the all ACC team would yeah. smoke Bama. Yes. Okay. For sure. All right. That that would not be that would not be a serious consideration. That's actually we should we should everyone always did the like. Um, worst team in the NFL versus best team in college football. And we always you know, point out the reasons why it's the NFL. All conference teams versus best teams in college football actually would be a little interesting. Like would, ba- like would Bama smoke the all-Mac team? Right, right, right. That's like start figuring out where the line is that you would draw. In uh, prior so- years, I think the answer, like, like pre-transfer portal, I think the answer is no. It would be a somewhat competitive game. But like Bama would still win. I think Bama still would win by double digits. In the transfer portal era, the MAC teams are not keeping the high impact guys, at least not the known high impact guys. Sunbelt all conference versus Bama. I think any G five league, Bama's beating their their, their all conference team. Yeah, Bama favorite. Bama favorite. Don't have the NIL to keep guys. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah, not for this roster. Not the way that you finished last year, because right. then all of a sudden, guess what? Uh, the top two wide receivers in the Sun Belt are playing for Power Five teams now. They're no longer in the Sun Belt. Yeah. Um, okay. Also, we've got some shuffling along the Alabama offensive line. Not necessarily a permanent thing. You know, they're still working through some stuff, but Bud has told you many, many times keep your eye on Caden Proctor. Caden Proctor, true freshman, battling for left tackle positions. And one of the things that they're doing as they're trying to work out the offensive line is to take Tyler Booker, move him from the right side at guard over to the left side at guard. And Saban was explaining that, you know, you got somebody that's uh, at least a little bit proven, got a little bit more experience, and he's able to help out with some of the calls. He's able to help out with some of the communication. And that allows for, if you're going to be inexperienced at that left tackle position, at least you know you've got something solid there at guard. You know, of course, we know that there's J.C. Latham. Of course, we know the rest of the pieces there. That this is a group that I think can be really physical along the lines of scrimmage. And I mean, even just height, weight, speed, they've got like a bunch of wins and they match up disadvantages against the schedule. But they do need to be really solid to be able to win the games that matter. And when you're Alabama, it is that 11th, 12th win. You know, those spots there. So I thought that was an interesting thing and, and a good sign for your boy Caden Proctor that he might be getting a little help uh, over there at left guard. I, the There's been a lot of times in college football when, when you're covering games in person and Bama walks through the tunnel and you're like, that is just different physically. Just the seeing them in person at field level, they ju- I mean, Chip can tell you, he's seen it. Like they yeah. just look different. Now, Georgia is now in that category. I don't know that I would put anybody else in that category as far as like one to 85. I mean, A&M definitely looks good getting off the bus. You know, Michigan, I think their strength program does a tremendous job. Ohio State's got some dudes like that. But like one to 85, I do still think it's it's Bama and Georgia as far as how freaky they just look walking around. Bama has a ton of beef up front now. I mean, Caden Proctor is like, you know, heavyweight champion of the world size. It, wrestling, not boxing. And I mean, Ferguson is really kind of a road grader. So if they're this physical on the O-line, I think it creates a relatively high floor for this team. The passing game, to me, will dictate the ceiling. But I think the floor is probably dictated by how well they can run the football. Um, and listen, but one one last little note that I have from uh, from Alabama. A little frustration with the defensive line consistency. We know that the dudes are there. But damn, I can't avoid this, man. Enough more compliments for Jaheim Otis. Like oh, the, oh, wait. Oh, the <laughs> only guy that Nick Saban is going to be out here and say, like, he has had a really good fall camp. These Jordan, other guys, they're making jump, mistakes. They're, do, jump like, in they're here. not doing the same. <laughs> what, what, uh, 
what what what, the, what team drafted Jaheim Otis with their uh, their first pick on the defensive line in the uh, uh, the in Oklahoma, Oklahoma drill draft? draft. I, I don't know. Was it was it Tom or or, or Danny? I, I I don't know, man. I, I was. It was Team BJ. I'm telling you, yeah. Telling team, team BJ stays winning. Team BJ coming through in the Oklahoma general draft, Bud and Jordan. Yeah, Bud said all the way back because draft season is June. All the way back in June, he was like, "Dude, Jaheim Otis is going to be a freak. He's too." And the performance has been in there, uh, has been going there for most of fall camp. Nick Saban can't stop talking about him. Other guys are making mistakes with their stunts and with their assignments, and not Jaheim Otis, who not in addition to being a physical just specimen has been putting together the performance to go with it as well. That's that's a sign for being like an all-American level player. And that's I mean, look, really cool to to see it play out. Yeah, you know, we we kept Jaheim Otis in, in our top 100 players, you know, and he had put on a lot of bad weight, you know, and I think part of it was cuz we had seen him when he was in shape, just how damn impactful this guy could be. I mean, he's we're at future 50 and he's beating Will Campbell, the kid who started at left tackle for LSU as a true freshman off the edge in pass rush drills at like probably truthfully 400 pounds. And he's, he's hitting him with spin moves and little speed, you know, speed stuff and a little dip rip. Uh, like, okay. Like that's, uh, does he need to drop a lot of bad weight? Yeah, he does or did not anymore. I guess that ain't normal though. For somebody who's 400 to do that. Like if you did that at 320, I'd be impressed. If you do that at 400, that's extremely impressive to me. So Jaheim Otis Stan for sure. All right. Do you want to take it to uh, Ohio State? I've got the here's it. Did we uh, table this for for like twenty minutes because Ryan, Ryan Day's press conference speak. is starting right now? Yeah. Chat. Let us know if he says something. All right. Do let we me want to do predictions for. Will he name a starter? No. They play Indiana to open. No. But both players will play against Indiana. That is my prediction. Kind of think so too. Are you concerned about uh, nobody really having the job right now? Does it? Do you read into it as far as McCord not pulling away or is Brown legitimately played well enough or has McCord kind of come back to the pack? Brown didn't have spring, remember, because he was injured. So kind of curious as to what you think on this because I, I have mixed thoughts. I, I think it is not a good sign. I think that it is um, – I think that Brown be, – maybe Brown in the long run, Brown being a part of this and really pushing McCord is going to make McCord and Ohio State better in the long run. But I do read into this that they want more out of Kyle McCord. Yeah. They want, they believe that there is a step that he can take that he has not taken. Because with the advantage of the rep, the rep advantage that you have in spring, the idea that you are the supposed front runner going into the fall, the time that you have spent in Ryan Day's system, you know, all this time, like we've quarterbacks leave Ohio State, he is stuck around because you know he is believed in a manner similar to Carson Beck, you know, probably that this was going to be his time to be able to take over. And so I, I read into it, not necessarily as a, a finality, because that's the other thing is maybe they believe that there's a step and what he's doing is good enough for them to go win 11 games. But if they believe there's another step that he needs to reach for them to win a national championship, which should be the mindset of the Ohio state coaching staff, then yeah, maybe they're, they're trying to you know work a little bit to, uh, to make him improve. That's, I don't know. That's my read. Where are you at? I'm kind of there with you. Like McCord had a head start with having the spring. And apparently from the reports I read, obviously Bucknuts does a tremendous job, has not pulled away. I am having a harder time. Like, I don't have I don't have their scrimmage film. I, I'd like to. If anybody has it, uh, but LHCFBHGmail.com. Very, very interested in that. I, I'd, I'd love to know just is this Brown making big time leaps or did McCord just not make the leap that he probably needed to. And maybe if Brown had been healthy for spring, we would not be entertaining this narrative now. If Brown had been healthy for spring, perhaps we would be viewing this as, all right, both these guys were about the same. They were both you know, blue chip quarterbacks. Ryan Day has the track record and he's going to play both of them uh, you know, in, into the season. Who do they play week two? Is it Notre Dame or is that week three? No, that's later. I think okay. it might be week four. All right, so Ohio State opens. Oh. I mean, they get Indiana, Youngstown, Western. Right. You could legitimately play both quarterbacks in all three games if you wanted to. Get them, you know, get them both about like 150 snaps each, you know, and uh, well, not 150, excuse me, about 100 each and be fine. 
Well, yeah, that's that was the old Saban model. Is that you yeah. know we're gonna we need to get it before our SEC opener in week three or week four. Spend non-con getting it getting it all worked out and ironed out. I Ohio State is my pick to win the Big Ten again. Like back to Prediction Magazine superlative season or whatever. But um, if a number thirty three is under center at quarterback, I'm gonna have to revisit that. Yeah, just, I think that's fair. <laughs> no, that's not fair. That's not fair. It is kind of fair. It's, I mean, it's like, funny. It's not fair. If I was to totally sell all of the Ohio State stock, the idea that Jim Knowles, year two defensive coordinator, they're going to have a better grasp of the system and trust it a little more in the biggest games. The idea that with so much skill talent, Travion Henderson supposedly had a really good fall camp so far. They're happy with his health and his performance. We know that the wide receiver room is the best in the country. Like I... I should not be selling the Ohio State stock that I'm holding just because a quarterback is wearing number 33, but it would be funny. I like it. Um, um, anything else at Ohio State? I, I think they're better at corner. Just from from what I've heard, I, I think that they feel like they have hit on the guys they took there in, in, in the portal. I can't say the kid's last name. The first name is Davison, uh, and the last name is like Igbenosin, I think it is. I, I can't pronounce the kid's name. I've, I've tried a couple of times, and I'm just going to call him Davison. Um, Apparently they like him, so I'm. I am curious to see how the rest of that secondary shakes out. If you have a really high-powered offense, I do like how Jim Knowles plays defense. Michigan game last year aside, like the be aggressive tackles for loss to end drives. We're fine playing a 14 possession game. Probably won't play 14 possession games anymore given the new clock rules, but we're fine playing a 13 possession game if need be. Like, do you really want to give our offense that many shots at it? Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, Ohio State has announced, that, or well, I guess not announced. Ryan Day just said in his press conference, the competition will continue into the week. I, there's not I, one that has won the job, and there's not one that has lost the job. They will continue to compete into the week. Okay. All right. There's definitely a chance both play in the first game. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right, let's go to uh, this. This one's a little bit, you know, very kind of top line, but I can't. I can't stop and ignore and not speak here in Camp Buzz on the, like, it's not even a buzz. It's a freaking rattle. Three five-star freshmen at Texas who I all think are going to be playing significant roles in the Longhorns' pursuit of a Big 12 championship. Number one, really, like, top level. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, running back C.J. Baxter. I don't necessarily think he's going to be the number one running back. We're not, like, penciling him in to take over for – all of Bijan Robinson's snaps. I think that's you know disrespectful to Jonathan Brooks, to Jadon Blue. Like they they got good yeah. good rotation there. But Baxter's special, man. And like the p- players can't stop talking about him. Some of the coaches can't stop talking about him. Everyone sees uh, the the potential for him. I think that when it comes time to later in the year, especially in those high pressure, high leverage games, you got to go to the the player with the highest ceiling. And I think that's Baxter at the running back position. Also. While we do have Xavier Worthy, while we do have Jordan Whittington, while we do have Jartavion Sanders at tight end, while we do have Isaiah Neor, a player that we're hoping is you know finally back to full health, A.D. Mitchell uh, coming in from Georgia, who's big splash play. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about five-star wide receiver Jonte Cook, who's also generating a lot of buzz, and people Twitchy. are so excited. Yeah, like – Yeah, Chip. What, what's your yeah. uh, what you you got you got good notes on Cook or is that like prospect stuff that you just uh, have always known he had a, a potential? Just from seeing him in person, he he is going to be a very tough cover for opponents. I mean, just the, the guy's change of direction, ability to accelerate out of his breaks is just special. It is. I think he's got a good feel for playing the position. So I think he's going to get open consistently during his career as long as he stays healthy. And I'm really excited to watch him. Some guys are just like that translates. You know, like there's not a ton of projection that needs to be done on John T. Cook. Like, I, I think John T. Cook is a, a really pretty high floor guy, honestly. Um, on CJ, so Cedric Baxter, they actually played him a lot at receiver as a sophomore. Sophomore, junior, I think, I think sophomore. This kid can catch football. I've seen him do it quite a bit. If you are one of these like. Real college fantasy nerds, and I know we definitely have some because the crossover for the diehard college ball audience is there. Long term, I mean, I don't know how many balls he's going to catch this year because they do have a lot of receivers to throw the ball to, but, I mean, Sark threw the ball a lot to Najee, right? Oh, yeah. Back in the day when he was Bama's OC, Uh uh, CJ can definitely catch the football well. Like, he could be a guy, you know, who averages like two or two and a half catches per game. 
eventually in his college career. And that's pretty valuable if you're in oh, like a college fantasy PPR league. And now we're really off the rails with nerd stuff. But No, no, no. But like the, the point is, is because of like what he has in terms of being explosive, like yeah. a pass to him might be a 40-yard touchdown. Yeah, exactly. And I think that they can throw him balls that are also beyond the line of scrimmage a little bit. Like if, if, if you motion Baxter out, you have to respect it. That offense is going to be incredible. Uh, and then the other, other one on the defensive side of the ball, linebacker Anthony Hill, I will admit, like not somebody who is high on my radar, but everything we're hearing from Texas is that he's getting a lot of good reviews as well. When Texas and Texas a and missed on Perkins, Hill was the guy that they were like a next year cycle. Like, okay, one of us is going to get this guy. And Longhorns did. He's, and, uh, he's really athletic, man. Yeah. And again, like with Cook, I'm not expecting him to take the starting job from one of those top end guys, but what we are seeing is just such a good sign for that Texas offense moving forward. Um, all right, where do you want to go? Uh, so are we doing more quarterback stuff? Are we doing injuries? What if we do injured quarterbacks that we're monitoring? Oh, yeah. Love that. Cam Rising? Utah? <laughs> I I mean, look, I don't know if he's going to play or not. Kyle Whittingham, uh, back when he tore the ACL, said he'll be fine as long as he gets back 10 to 14 days before the opening game. Um, obviously we are about 14 days away from the opening game or no, about 10 from the opening game. So this week would be the week that, uh, I guess that they kind of want him back. I, if he's announced out, we'll see what this line does. I'm, oh, I'm curious. It'll, it'll over, it'll overcorrect. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's see what this line does when a bunch of, um, you know, Hungry, uh, a hungry market with no football and uh, too much time on their hands ends up overreacting to some injury news that might already be baked into the line. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's kind of my thought on it. Uh, Also, McNamara at Iowa, I think it needs to get back to practice. They said it was muscular, which I don't know. I mean, that could like what's muscular in the leg? Quad and calf, basically. Yeah, would it be um, hammy? Maybe. Well, hammy is hammy's not a muscle, right? Or is it you can train your hamstring? Maybe maybe hamstring is a muscle. Chat, is hamstring a muscle? I don't know. <laughs> no, but what I saw, because it was the same leg that he's had surgically repaired at least once, right? It was Got the it. one that he underwent surgery on last November. And the way that I took in the information is that guess what? The rest of the muscles might not be a hundred percent strong. And I saw the play that he got hurt on. It was a it was a tuck and scramble and you know, maybe just something got strange just a little bit. Hamstring is a muscle. Yeah. Okay. But Fair yeah, that, I, I, I sort of see it as like, as you're rebuilding, not just the knee itself, but like all of the other muscles around the knee might've, you know, might've been a little tight. I'm a little tight, but yes, he does need to get back to practice because it was, it was the most cruel thing for Iowa fans. Cause this was an open practice to have him come out there, throw a 30 yard completion and a 45 yard completion, and then go down with an injury. I mean, come on. That's yeah. that's cruel for uh, for McNamara. Um, can I can I go into the backyard? Little little home cooking here. You definitely can. Um, early enrollee Kevin Concepcion, KC, as uh, as NC State is uh, is listing him on the roster right now. He you know started to get a little bit of buzz uh, coming out of spring practice, but he has had a really really good camp from everything I'm hearing. He's a three-star player from Charlotte, and he is, you know, back to the measurables and performance. He seems to me like one of these players that, you know, he he was in-state kid, choosing between NC State and UNC, like very productive, but you're not going to necessarily be popping on the recruiting scene, you know, unless you are hitting certain heights and weights and other measurables. But there is the aspect of if he shows up to a college football team, a power conference team, and he is separating himself from the rest of his competition, that's a performance thing that shows that he's ready to compete at the next level. Wide receiver has been a huge question mark for NC State. And when you consider that Brennan Armstrong, when he was with Robert and I at Virginia, was throwing for like 400 yards a game, you need to have good pass catchers. And so it, it seems a lot like Concepcion starting to stand out as one of those players that NC State believes you, know, you mentioned they got Rosner, you know, in from Rice. You know, they've got uh, a lot of different pieces to choose. But I, I've noticed that name come up. You know, my guy, uh, my guy Josh texted me about it this morning. I've continued to hear, like, from multiple different sources, that this is someone who's uh, who's really turning heads and generating buzz in fall camp. I mean, you got what 
you got Rosner, you have Devin Carter's gone, you you have Concepcion. I I can kind of see it. I mean, Porter Rooks is still there. Don't forget Penix at tight end is going to be a big part of the passing game. Too. They do use the tight end quite a bit in, in that offense. Yeah, I I I can kind of see it coming together. I just I I don't like to short NC State unless the expectations are are off the charts, and they're certainly not this year. Oh, it's a matter of principle. It, yeah. is, is that like uh, was it NC State and Wake? Are those the two that I feel like I've heard you be like, I'm I'm, I'm not betting against that team right now. Yeah, like Dave Doran just knows what he's doing. He, he took Northern Illinois to the Orange Bowl. I mean, the, like the guy just. Dave Doran has a 10-year track record of, of generally, for the most part, beating who they're supposed to beat, occasionally pulling an upset, and usually not completely falling apart. I've got uh, one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you have, where, where do you want to go? I've got a Miami note. Uh, let's hear the Miami note. Yeah. So Xavier Restrepo is the name that for three years I've kind of at least always you know, circled around. But, um, you know, our our friend David Lake, you know, the 24-7 Miami coverage is phenomenal. And, yeah. you know, he had some really good reports that included, um, you know, that Colby Young had really started to emerge potentially as the the top playmaker at wide receiver and maybe somebody who's going to be demanding a lot of those targets. New offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson is going to try to make this thing more vertical, more deep balls instead of a lot of the side-to-side action. And, you know, in the I'm not in there crafting their offense, but in the idea of your X, Y, and Z, like I would understand why maybe you are going to end up gravitating towards somebody like Colby Young uh, to be that big play threat down the field. It's so, so huge for Tyler Van Dyke to be able to try to have a scheme and have personnel that's going to allow him to be more successful as he you know, tries to bounce back from the disappointment of a year ago. And so I, I had a list of like four names of guys that it could be emerging there. And so it sounds like Colby Young is the one that uh, that seems to be popping up. I I I, uh, I can buy that. First of all, David Lake and, and Gabby do a tremendous job covering Miami on on on, on our Miami twenty four seven sports site. They do still think it's kind of a you know a a seven or eight win team from the like the last stuff that I've been listening to. So there definitely some interesting holes in that team, but I think they're considerably better than they were last year. Um, you know, Van Dyke like. What is he? It can, it, my guess is he's probably somewhere in the middle. Like I don't think he'll be as good as he was two years ago, uh, but I also think he will not be an absolute disaster. Uh, can we go to Notre Dame real quick? Yeah, for sure. Interesting note on Notre Dame I picked up listening to the Irish Illustrated podcast. Uh, they noted that uh, receivers are still a bigger question entering the year than they were anticipating that they were going to be. Uh. However... Uh, they do think that some questions have been answered at defensive tackle. So uh, they, that was a position that they were not expecting to be a strength. Um, it still may not be a strength, but at least uh, they they seem from listening to the guys uh, that it will not be a weakness, which is pretty important. So receivers will continue to monitor. Uh, chat has informed me that receivers are all Americans at Wake and that everybody there is better than anybody on, on uh, Wake Forest. However, we will continue to monitor the situation and bring you guys updates as they unfold. The um, hey, listen, that's a week zero team right there. But the mm-hmm. fact of the matter, you know, my listen, we've got our locks coming up on Thursday for week zero. Um, the athleticism of those freshmen, you know, just size, speed, there's going to be an advantage going up against Navy. There's not going to be an advantage going up against every team on Notre Dame's schedule, but I would not be surprised to see Sam Hartman in this pass, pass attack have a really big game against Navy, maybe in a way that like gives some false hope or is a little bit of a, you know, red herring for what our expectations should be moving forward, but it don't make for one hell of an overreaction. I mean, look, Navy blitzed the absolute hell out of Notre Dame last year. Not like blitz and surprising, but like this, the scheme was literally let's just blitz like crazy every down. Notre Dame did not consistently enough make them pay. They still won the game, obviously, but it, you would like to make them pay more for something like that than they did. And this would be a really good opportunity if the midshipmen roll out the same game plan uh, to showcase the Irish's receiver's ability to win one-on-ones. We'll see. Brian Newberry was the defensive coordinator. So their internal prom- – I would assume yeah. that we're dealing with something somewhat similar, uh, at least in terms of their thinking. I mean, look, uh, Notre Dame clearly will have repped this. 
it's it's the opening game. I think they were surprised somewhat last year at just how aggressive Navy was in terms of bringing pressure. This year, there's really no excuse for that. Yeah. You want me to hit the break and do jump teams? Let's do jump teams. All right. Yeah. Coming up on the other side, teams that made a jump and maybe might make another one. Teams expected to make a big jump. You know, we always have questions around these. What have we learned from fall camp? Get into that and more next. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, some of our biggest takeaways, questions that uh, have been answered, uh, questions that still remain given what we've learned from fall camp. Bud has been circling these jump teams, teams that with a a few questions answered might be ready to make a jump uh, or not. What have you been learning so far? Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at teams that made a jump last year, and I'm seeing some of them projected to make another jump. Right. And in my mind, I'm kind of like, why? What what is the impetus for yet another jump? It is it because they have a new a new staff? Did they get one side of the ball fixed? Did they bring in a lot of transfers? Is something else going to happen? Um, you know, my, my friend Cole Kublik picked Washington to win the Pac 12 this year. And I think it's certainly a it's a viable pick, obviously. <coughs> but uh you know, I looked at Washington, I'm like, man, they stayed really healthy last year on the offensive line. All three of their top receivers played like at least 600 snaps. Michael Penix stayed really healthy. It's something he's not done throughout his career. And, and I'm not wishing injury on them, but like that's an interesting thing that you need to run back, I think. So if Washington's going to take a jump, it's basically the offense gets somewhat better, even though it was already elite under Kalen DeBoer because it's the second year under DeBoer. And then the defense has to get a whole lot better. And they didn't bring in a ton of transfers on defense. So they're mm-hmm. kind of doubling down on the dudes that they already had on the roster. And I've been, I've been reading Dogman. The reports out of Dogman, out of, out of fall camp, are fairly positive about the defense. So you know, when we opened the show with the question, like, what top 10 team could disappoint? I, my mind basically went USC Washington because of how top-heavy the Pac-12 is and how you're going to play four or five you know, real ball games and how a two-loss season is a, a very, very likely outcome, especially when you add in the conference championship game, Chip, but like, I mean, this is going to be difficult. Washington won what, 10 games last year or 11? 11, including the bowl game over Texas. They were 10 and two to finish the regular season, uh, missed out on the Pac 12 title game on a tiebreaker. For them to take another jump, you're basically banking on the defense taking a big jump. And maybe it will. I just, I'm curious, like, do they have the defensive talent to do that? So far, the reports out of camp have been pretty good. Like they look like the defense is improved. So I'm I'm excited about that. Yeah, they they have to be better and might not have more wins. The schedule sure. is di- yeah. like they did not play USC or Utah in the regular season last year. They they had the advantages of being able to play Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Colorado. Like they they sort of filled out four of their conference wins being able to just lean on that. Or they actually lost to Arizona State last year. Oops. Right. Um, I they they have to be able to put every I like the idea that they're doubling down on some of those players because you know when you look at all conference teams from the Pac 12, Washington doesn't litter the entire board, but they've kind of got at least one or two guys at every level. You know, whether you know obviously Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan at wide receiver, that's going to be one of the best one-two punches that you're going to get on and the Polk. West Coast. Oh, and Polk's really good I mean, too. Like, I think Polk would start at a lot of, you know, top half power five teams out there. 
um, you know, defense on the defensive side of the ball. You can get like a couple guys on the defensive front that you could see being really strong. Um, but they they are going to need to raise their level of play because the schedule and the competition is going to get different and the expectations are going to be there. Who else? They, do you definitely caught, they, they also caught some teams last year that were, uh, you know, kind of kind of poorly timed when they played them like they, they played a Michigan State team that was super beat up. By the way, we do have a Notre Dame depth chart. Uh, just released via Tom Loy of our excellent Irish Illustrated site. The starting receivers, Jaden Thomas, Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather. All returning guys, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, but n- not all who played a ton of snaps last year. So to go back briefly to the Notre Dame receiver conversation. And obviously Chris Tyree was a running back. He moved yeah. in the spring. Explosive guy w- w- when he gets the ball in his hands. Yeah, I, I mean, this is... Not entirely surprising, I guess, um, if, if you're an Irish fan. And I do think that they are improved at receiver over last year. I do. How much improved is going to be the question we're going to continue to monitor. 40 uh, points per game, bud. That's what I'm hearing. I'm yeah. hearing from the Notre Dame super fans. 40 points per game, 2023. 100%. I think that is not going to happen. All right. Um Florida State is another jump team. Yep. Like they they made a jump from missing a bowl two years in a row to you know finishing or they top fifteen at the end of the year, top top ten, whatever it was. They they won ten ball games. You know what's the impetus for the jump this year? I, I think it is overall better depth on the defensive line, right? Like Jared Verse played less than four hundred snaps last year. He he was injured you know quite a bit. Fabian Lovett, Love it. kind of the same thing. Didn't play a ton of snaps last year. Um, you know, offensive line, they return basically everybody. And I think they'll have two new starters who weren't starters for them last year. So guys getting beaten out by better players. Keon Coleman, obviously, is, in my opinion, their best receiver. Now, maybe Johnny Wilson cuts the drops and says something about that. So from that perspective, it's to me, it's a little bit less Washington-y from the, hey, they're just running all the same guys back. You know, they have like six or seven new starters from the portal who beat out guys who were starting on a 10-win team last year. Washington didn't have a top 10 portal class. Correct, yeah. Yeah, that, like your your investment in Florida State, like maybe somebody else, an AP voter or an ACC media uh, balloter somewhere might be more hype, but fundamentally the the depth chart itself and the what is lost, what is back, what was added calculus has – has the idea that they can take another leap. And back to my statement about them potentially being of all the top 10 teams, the one that has a disappointing season is that they do have another jump to make if they are going to live up to some of these preseason expectations. What 100%. Um, Oregon State. How good is DJ? Oh, is he definitely the starting quarterback? I, I haven't seen it officially announced, but I, I, I have basically been watching some of the pressers and – it sounds like uh, it sounds like Aiden Childs is definitely not going to be the guy out the gate. So I'm ah, kind of hoping he damn. would be. That would be cool. <laughs> uh, but I mean, has, has anybody in the chat seen him announced? Because I've been looking for this. Like, if he's officially officially the starter, uh, m- maybe they announced it like last week, and I just I just missed it. But I have not seen him officially announced as uh, as the starter. DJ is QB one according to Connor. So. Damian Martinez and your offensive line are still the heart and soul of that offense. No doubt. Yeah. you. Well, I'll tell you, DJ, um, last season, like the, the 2021 season, obviously was absolutely like horrendous. You know, he finished with like 10 touchdowns to nine interceptions. The, the completion percentages were low. I mean, it, it was all pretty bad. I mean, last year, 22 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 61% completion percentage. Not horrible you know it's not not elite but you know that's it, it certainly steps forward to the pack to the pl- place where if i'm jonathan smith and jonathan smith haven't had him you know now in spring practice and fall camp i'm not worried about him losing the game out there and if you've got enough confidence in what you're able to do running the football uh, i think that that's you're not risking anything by putting dju out there if they're taking the next leap though that basically means you are playing for the Pac-12 title, contending for a playoff spot deep into the year. I mean, the next like they were ten and three last year. 
the the next step if like a lot of people are hyping this team um i would push back on that next step i think there's yeah i I think there's a hard ceiling there and some of it and some of it's not their fault i mean it's just the it is it is literally the traffic that they have to get through to get to the top of the standings there are too many other cars out there that I, I I feel confident in like Oregon state and UCLA are both um, teams this year in the pac 12, that if you are really excited about them, I'm not going to tell you to not be excited. I'm just going to, it's going to be difficult for me to automatically say that they're going to be able to jump ahead of USC, Utah, Oregon, and Washington. And that's a, that's a lot to get through. And it does seem like some of those other programs have a little bit of a head start in that department. I agree with you on that. I will say their schedule from a home road standpoint is pretty friendly. It, it, it really is. At Washington State, not an easy place to play, but it's not a long trip for, for Morgan State. At Cal, at Arizona, at Colorado, and they finish at Oregon, which is certainly a difficult place to play. And Oregon will be looking for revenge, but I don't like the revenge angle and that kind of stuff because guess what? Everybody plays hard in the biggest game of the year. Like There's no, like oh, we're going to play extra hard. Like, no, you're at 100%. There's no letdown spot there against Oregon. But from a road game standpoint, they're not exactly playing in packed houses for a lot of their other games. Mm. Uh, Penn State. Ooh, yeah. D-tackle and receiver and quarterback. Quarterback? Quarterback's not a question. No, it it is a question if they're – it's his year one as a starter. If okay. they're going to level up. How many games did Penn State win last year? Ten. Twelve? No, they were ten and two regular season. Uh, I guess eleven and two if they won their bowl game. But their only, right. the only regular season games they lost were to Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, everybody and, else. And I think they won every other game by two scores. Did they have a squeaker? Things got dicey against Auburn. I don't remember the final score. They blitzed the hell at Auburn. Like they yeah. won by like like twenty. I feel like. Um, um, but you but you were wondering in year one whether or not. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's 41 to 12. It did not get dicey against Auburn. No, I mean, it was a little bit dicey for like 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. That was it. It was a CBS game. It was. And then they're like, oh, we can just run the ball here. This is. Do you know what that sounds like? It sounds like they had me on the halftime show, you know, and I got on the halftime show and I was like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. And they did not have me on the post game show, which Mm. it was like, it was not a game. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Look, last year they were a legitimate top 10 team. Power rating wise, record wise, everything. Uh 35 31, the opener at Purdue. So maybe they played two close games uh, and 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 won, you know, won eight ball games by by two plus scores. If they're gonna take that next step to be like a legitimate top four type team, to be a, a true dark horse national title contender, passing games got to get a little better, mm-hmm. right? And I I think that's I think that's true. And I think it's the receiver position, which I'm still monitoring. You know, we'll see how that works. I, I think they're probably gonna be really good. Like really, really good, and then defensive tackle specifically against Michigan. Like I thought, Michigan last year kind of pushed them around inside the tackle box, and so I want to see are they better there. Those are kind of my questions. That if they're going to take the next jump, because they were already a jump team for me, can they jump again? So like preseason at like you know number seven, you know on the very top of the next tier nationally, one step below Ohio State, Michigan, your jump would be on the same tier as Correct. Ohio State, yeah. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. It's not they're not like if they want to be the 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 one C, not the two. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, anybody else? That's really all I got for jump teams. Um, Cause that's the, the, are we missing a jump, a potential like, like jump team that already made a jump last year? I guess LSU would, would, would be on there too, right? Yeah. LSU 100% would be on there. That's probably both tackles playing at an elite level for like just an elite SEC level, not an elite for a freshman level, right? It's probably Mason Smith playing at a dominant inside level, you know, like be there, Glenn Dorsey. It's probably Jaden. Jay Daniels taking a step forward as a passer. They've got to be able to run the football when they need to. That run game was what? Fine. Like a a true traditional, we're going to line it up, run the ball because we're trying to, um, you know, go out there, put together a long 10 play drive and win this game. Um, I think that they have, uh, 
they've got another level there. Jaden Daniels was the team's leading rusher last season. An yeah. elite scrambler once he broke the pocket. Right, but we, we need to be able to line it up, run downhill, get a good push, and win football games. That would definitely be one of the things that I'm looking at uh, in terms of LSU and trying to get something. If they were to make another jump, and another jump for LSU, by the way, is there. Like they, they played very possible. They played for an SEC championship, but they still got, they got stomped. They got stomped by Tennessee. Yeah. You know, like they did not look good in that Arkansas game. Texas A&M they lost to A&M. Yeah, you've you definitely have some room for improvement right there uh, when it comes to LSU. And I do think their preseason ranking number five in the AP Top 25 poll is suggesting that that jump is going to happen. And I've still got some questions. Not that I've got another team that has to be at five, but I like your idea. It's like, if they are going to do that next jump and really contend, not just to backdoor into an SEC West title, but be playing for the college football playoff in late November and early December, those are some places that uh, that need to be able to get there. 100%. So this is it, man. It's game week. Wednesday. I'm so excited. Hot seat. Yeah, that's right. We, we did a little bit, but now that we've got win totals, we've got odds, we've poured over the schedules, we're going to be taking a look at some of the coaches with the hottest seats, some of the places on the schedule where it could get a little dicey. If Vegas is right, some coaches might be in some real trouble. That plus so much more as we look ahead to Week Zero. Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time will be our Week Zero locks. And you can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much. Chip, enjoy. Dude, I, I can't believe you let me be a two-button guy on the polo for the entire entire pot. I, I, I just noticed it. You want no buttons? No, like I think I, I'm a one-button, two-open, right, on, on a three-button polo. What, wife was at the grocery store. Like, I'm usually like, she's like, hey, that, that looks terrible. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> Leave it. Right. Let it go. Oh, man. I'll see you. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.